0: Croeso, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all addictions approach including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveria Recovery website www.adveria.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com derchenbauer thank you so much
1: you can get it if you really want you can get it if you really want you can get it if you really want but you must try try and try
2: Succeed at last. Hello and welcome to Recovery Now Radio, brought to you by the Living Room and At Very
1: Persecution you must bear. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream, you can get it, Don't harder
2: than seem. Now you can get it if you really want. Let's recover together. Well, welcome everybody, and um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm Julie, your presenter, and today Joe has kindly offered to come and tell us about her time in addiction and to talk about her recovery as well. So, welcome, Joe. How are you?
3: I'm good, thank you, Julie. The tables have turned from presenter
2: to interviewee. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, you're usually the other side, aren't you? So, but I we're am. not. Going- we're not going to let you get away with anything today, Joe. No. <laughs> All right, so you've chosen some great songs. I think we'll start off by listening to the first one. So you've chosen Family Portrait by Pink. So would you like to just tell us why you've chosen that particular track?
3: Yeah, that song reminds me of my childhood. It was quite a, a traumatic childhood, a bit of a broken family. Mm. And uh, that song just takes me back there. okay. You should.
2: And family Portrait. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, um, brought to you from the living room in Adveriad. And today's guest is Joe. Joe, let me just start by asking you, sort of what was
3: your first experience with your alcohol addiction? I was 15 years old. I was in a children's home. My, my parents, or my mother and my stepfather had put me into a children's home. And only me, not my brothers. So I was the only girl the oldest and the only one but it felt like I wasn't wanted in that family because I, I was the only one with a different dad as well so um, I was put into a children's home when I was 14 and then when I was 15 I started drinking because it, it was quite a scary place to be that children's home there, there were kids there that were much more streetwise than me and um, I needed to hold my own So I I decided to drink, um, God, I don't know if you guys can remember it. It was called Thunderbird and it was absolutely vile stuff. I hated the taste, but I loved what it did to me. It enabled me to hang out with the boys because I was used to hanging out with boys rather than girls. And they were usually a bit older than me as well. So it it just enabled me to crack on with them, really, and, uh, and be a bit bolshy and try to be funny so people would like me and things like that. And it did work. At that time Mm -hmm. yeah such such a sort
2: of tough time you know and and probably at that stage where you were just experimenting with alcohol and you know the different effects it had have on you
3: yeah um i remember there's a little story i'm going to tell you when i was about two or three i remember having to wear this hat even even in the summertime Mm -hmm. and um, I, i never knew why until later because my stepfather had dark hair and I had fair hair, he didn't want people to know that I wasn't his. So he was quite ashamed of of me or that's the way I took it anyway. So I always felt different in my family home, Uh, a bit of a black sheep and um, not wanted, not connected. And yet it was was a tough time for me. And obviously I ended up being told at um, six years old that he wasn't my father. And I had, um, not memories, um, daydreams of, where is my real father? Will he come and rescue me from here, you know? But uh, it wasn't to be.
2: Gosh, really tough time. And
3: that need to want to fit in to be accepted must have been with you all the time. Huge. Um, Mm. It's still with me now, to be honest with you, a little bit. Uh, It's better, but I do like people to like me, if you know what I mean. Mm. Mm. Well, it's a really tough time, Joe, you were having there. So
2: um, I think we'll listen to your next track now. Um, you've chosen Take Me to Church by Hosier. Um, would you like to just um, tell us why you've chosen that track?
3: Yeah, throughout my childhood, um, I experienced three different religions. I went to a Catholic school until I was six, then a Protestant school, and then my parents became Jehovah's Witnesses. So um, the church thing was kind of down my throat and it, this reminds me of that time If the heavens
4: ever did speak She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak A fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolute She tells me worship in the bedroom The only heaven I'll be sent to Is when I'm alone I was born sick, but I love it. You and me to be
2: Take me to church by Hosea. So, Joe, very hard time you were going through, and and not the best start in life. Talk to a little bit about the child, you going to the children's home. What kind of revolved around that, and and you know, where
3: did that take you? I left the children's home when I was 16. Back then, in those days, the local authority didn't have a duty of care up until 18, like they do now. And when I was 16, they literally put me in a bed and breakfast for two days, paid for it and said, um, you need to find somewhere to live. So um, I was lucky because I was quite an able kid and uh, I just walked into McDonald's and I just said, I need a job. And I rang around lots of bedsits and eventually found one and it was sink or swim. And fortunately for me, I swam but there are lots of people that I know that didn't make it. Um, Some of the people who weren't as able as me ended up on the streets or in prostitution and taking drugs and things like that. And some of them are not around now today. So uh, I was very fortunate that I was able to do that, but it did have a massive impact on my life, having to bring myself up, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. um, look after myself at 16 years old when I had no idea Wow Joe. I mean that
2: shows such strength and and you know I've not known you for a long time I've known you over a year and you know I can see that strength in you all the time you know in everything that you do oh, so thank a, you a, a real credit to you really is yeah really really tough time so you started work
3: yeah and um, what what happened then Um, I got into a relationship with with my boss. This is a pattern through my life, getting into relationships with people who are older than me or I think they have a lot more than I have because I wanted to... I didn't want to be alone anymore and I wanted to be looked after because I hadn't been looked after. So uh, I ended up in lots of different relationships that were looking for love in the wrong places and they were the wrong type of men as well. Some of these relationships were abusive. And um, I got to aged 18. Actually, it was a month off being 18. I had my first child. And um, I did that on purpose. I had a child on purpose. I mean, I wasn't equipped to raise a child and I didn't know know what responsibilities I would I would have to take on hmm. but um, I just didn't want to be alone anymore and I thought if I had a child I would have with someone with me for the rest of my life yeah that crying out to be loved and needed wasn't it yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah
2: yeah all right Joe. well we'll stop there for a minute we'll play your next track um do you want to introduce it
3: it's you might need some Body by Randy Crawford and I chose this song because I really needed somebody back then. And I think there are times when we all need somebody. Absolutely.
2: Okay so that was You Might Need Somebody by Randy Crawford there. So Joe, you'd had a baby at this stage you were in a relationship Uh, things not looking great were they for you. Did you find that you felt that your drinking
3: was manageable at that stage? Actually it it was at that stage because when I started having children I could no longer go out clubbing like I used to. I mean I used to go clubbing from the age of 15 but having children kind of put to pay to all that and I didn't have any babysitters and I and I didn't at that time I didn't drink at home I don't know why I didn't it just used to be a, an out thing a social thing so yeah it, it was manageable during those early years and I honestly didn't think I had a problem with it at all for a long time So at that stage then, were you aware that you had an addiction, do you think? Not at all. No, I didn't. Hmm. I didn't know at all. It was just normal. Everybody drank and everybody went out and partied and drank. Drinking at home wasn't a big thing then, I don't think. Yeah, just like the the normal way everybody was behaving. Yeah, I was just doing the same as everybody else.
2: Yeah. So when did things sort of take a bit of a turn then? When did you kind of realise that you had a problem with alcohol and, and, and then later on to go into an addiction with it?
3: Um, I'm not sure that I knew I had a problem when it did take a turn. But um, what happened was uh, my biological father entered my life as an adult. And I had a business at the time, I was a driving instructor, and I had a driving school with a few guys working for me. And I asked my father to inject some money into my business and I gave him 50% of the business in return. So we we had like six cars on the road and it was going really well. But um, I allowed my father who was a stranger um, to move into my spare bedroom at home. And what proceeded from there was two years of abuse in all manner of thinking. Um, Any way you can abuse somebody, he did that to me. And that's when my drinking really went off the scale. I didn't know I had a problem with it at that stage, but um, I was finding that I was drinking and couldn't work. I was starting to shut down. He brought, he also brought cocaine into my life, and I had never taken that before. Yeah, so drugs was a part of my story, quite a big part of my story during those years.
2: Gosh, Joe, that must have been awful, you know, to have somebody there that you felt was there to help you and... That you felt you could trust and and for that to happen must have been devastating
3: yeah i, th- I it felt like my mother and stepfather had taken my childhood from me mm. and then i'd made a success of myself and here comes my biological father and takes mm. my adulthood from me that that's what it felt like you know because I, I i thought the girl had done good you know the girl from care had done good and got on her feet and got a business together that was a successful business but then it all came tumbling down when that happened. Gosh. Well, look, let's
2: listen to your next piece of music, if that's okay. Um, you've chosen Out of My Head by John Newman. Do you want to tell us why you've chosen that track?
3: Yeah, this reminds me of the height of my addiction. Um, when I wanted to just get out of my head, really, I, mm. I was drinking to oblivion mm. and I really didn't want to be around.
1: No.
2: Okay.
5: Living in a broken home alone Sixteen weeks since you've been gone As time goes by, there's no pieces left No memories of you and me Yeah, yeah so shut i'm feeling lonely To see the world now as my own Sleep with any woman that I want oh, no. But any time, any the gets gone
2: you're listening to Recovery Now Radio brought to you from the living room and Adveriad. Um, let's recover together. Gosh, Joe, that was Out of My Head by John Newman. That was an incredibly powerful song that you just chose there. And, you know, you were in a, a really, really tough place. I, I just can't imagine how you must have been feeling. But do you, do you want to sort of carry on just telling us a little bit more about what led on from being with your dad and and the other addiction that was kicking in there?
3: Yeah, sure. I eventually went to uh, the police about this situation and um, they did a little investigation and um, they took no further action because they, there was no evidence really. We were always um, alone at the time when he did it when he did those things. I ended up losing my business because I just couldn't function anymore. And I lost my home, uh, my business. I lost my my role in society because he went around telling everybody that I was crazy because he knew I was going to say something. So I lost, I lost my friends, my identity, really. I lost everything. I had to move out of area because people did find out and... Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time at all. So I moved away with my children. How I kept hold of my children, I do not know. I had two older boys who were looking after my two younger children at the time because I was holed up in my bedroom with the curtains closed, not answering my phone or the door or my mail or anything. And they were doing the cooking and the cleaning and everything bless them and uh, I was just in my bedroom in my bed with bottles of wine and gin next to me Mm. wanting to escape it all so I mean I just can't
2: can't really imagine what it must have been like for you but these consequences just really kept on coming didn't they with with the you know carrying on with the drinking and
3: the the drugs Um, they did yeah they did Um, something really horrible happened unbeknown to me my 14-year-old daughter was being groomed by a 37-year-old man while I was drinking, because I wasn't keeping an eye on my children. This was happening underneath my nose, and I didn't know. It was her school friend's father. So when I thought she was on sleepovers, and I was quite happy for her to go there, because that was one child less, so I could drink more, he was grooming her, and they entered a sexual relationship, and she fell in love with him because he was telling her that his parents were alcoholics and he understood what it was like. So he was exploiting her. And um, when I found out when she was 16, I went to the police again. And now that that man is in jail for what he did to my daughter. And I will carry the shame and guilt for that for the rest of my life.
2: You know, I, I can identify that feeling of, of shame, not being there for your children, for sure. That's uh, something that we do carry with us forever, I think. Really, really hard. So we'll play another track, if that's okay. Um, we've got Rag
3: and Bone Man by Human. Um, why did you choose this track? Um, I'm quite a feisty character, you know, and I dined out on um, being the victim So I chose this song because uh, I was quite defiant and, you know, thinking I'm only human. It's not my fault. Okay.
6: Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Some people lot of love Some people think I console them Lord, heavens above I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put the blame on me Don't put the blame on me Don't ask my opinion
2: So that was Dragon Bowman Human. Again, another incredibly powerful song, Jo. Um, you just described yourself as being a bit feisty there. I think to have survived all you've been through to this time, you know, like you're more than feisty. And again, it shows great strength that you've got, Re- really, really does. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that feeling of shame that you were talking about with y- with your children, you know, I have to say I think you you did an incredible job really keeping it
3: together as much as you did you know well this bit always uh this bit always gets to me um my children couldn't watch me kill myself anymore because that's Mm. that's what I was doing Mm. and um one by one they they all left and um Mm. I'm not going to break down this time but um yeah Tears my good. <laughs> my, um, my rock bottom was when my 16 year old packed his bags to leave and he was the last one to go and um I was I was devastated and I had a suicide attempt that night oh and um yeah, losing my children was, uh, was what brought me into recovery, really, because uh, I could, there was no point in me living without them.
2: And sometimes we, we have to get to that awful, awful rock bottom before good things start to, to change and to happen for us.
3: Yeah, I, I was beaten, Julie. I was completely beaten. Mm. I was in rent arrears. I, the next stage was homelessness for me because I was drinking my rent money. And um, I had no children in my life, no friends in my life. I was completely isolated. And uh, it it was a horrendous time. And when I pray to God, I do do not ever have to go back to. Um, But I did have to find that rock bottom because if my children hadn't left, I think I'd still be drinking now.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah. So... What actually put you in a position where you felt you needed to change and and you were going to start looking for recovery?
3: Well, I came to the living room and um, I spoke to a guy called Nick and we were having one-to-one sessions. I was still drinking and then the lockdown happened. So the one-to-one sessions went onto the phone. And he rang me one morning. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd already had a bottle of wine at this stage, but I didn't tell him that. And uh, he said to me, do you want me to ring you every morning? And because I'm a bit of a people pleaser, I said yes, because I don't like to let people down. (laughs) So, um, And then I put the phone down and I thought, I can't lie to this man every morning saying I'm not drinking. I just can't do that. So for the whole of that day, I stopped drinking. There was one bottle of wine left in my fridge and I got to a fi- about 5 p.m. and I, I caned, you know, I had to have that other bottle of wine. So I opened it and drank it, but I didn't enjoy it. And um, that was my last drink. And that was on the 29th of April, 2020. Um, it just, It just didn't, I had nobody around me. My kids weren't there. I had Nick's words in my head. And it just wasn't enjoyable. So um, the following day, I spoke to Nick again and uh, and disclosed that I, actually I was I was drunk yesterday when we spoke, but um, I'm not today. And luckily for me, the desire for drink did leave me. I have no idea how, but it kind of left me overnight. And I'm very, very grateful for that.
2: I think it was like a point of surrender, really
3: yeah completely surrendered I, mm. I I couldn't be beaten anymore I, I would have been on the streets possibly injecting mm. God knows what into me next you know that that was the only the only other rung on the ladder for me
2: mm. okay well let's let's listen to your next piece of music um Joe. um do you want to introduce it
3: yeah it's Queen I Want to Break Free and this is depicts to me, me wanting to get out of my addiction and wanting to shake those shackles and get better. Yeah.
2: So you're listening to Queen there, and I want to break free. Um, this is Recovery Now Radio. Um, let's recover together. Uh, brought to you from the living room and Adveriad. So, Joe, the feeling of that record is for certain that the times are changing for you. What
3: actually did start to happen when you did get into recovery? First of all, I had to do it for myself, Julie. I, I mean, doing it for my children mm. wasn't working. And whatever whatever I used to put in my way to, to be able to stop drinking wasn't working. And I, I discovered that I had to do it for myself, which was incredibly tough
7: mm. because I
3: was on my own at that time. And I had to dig deep. I did that because I wanted my children back. But also I, I wanted to live again. I wanted to be a mother again, a good friend I wanted to be Joe again, you know, I wanted my identity back. So when I came into recovery, we started doing um, like group work. And that was really, really helpful. It helped me to see what my patterns of behavior were. And um, a little bit of ego deflation, which I needed because I had incredibly low self-esteem, but a huge ego at the same time. And uh, my defence mechanisms that were working for me when I was younger were no longer working for me, you see. Mm. So uh, I do credit the living room and those group therapy sessions with my recovery, to be honest. It saved my life.
2: Mm. And I think it's that thinking that we're different.
3: Yeah, special and different, I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) I've always thought that, though. So I think I was born an alcoholic because I've always thought I was special and different. Absolutely.
2: Well, I I can remember, you know, just going into lockdown and you were on the Zoom group, you know, and um, you were very, very low at the
3: time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you kept coming back, you know. I did. I did. Yeah. And I think that's the key. I mean, even if um, fortunately I haven't relapsed um, one day at a time so far, but even for the people who do have a little slip, I think the key is just come back, keep coming back. You've got to be in it to win it. And um, and the messages that you get through those group therapy sessions, they do sink in. And um, I guess it um, ruins your drinking for life, doesn't it, when you come into recovery? Because you can't drink again without all those messages in your head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and it's, you know, just that connection, I think. I mean, that that's what, really worked for me that connection with other addicts you know yes
3: yeah mm. people who understood me for the mm. first time in my life people I felt like I had come home I felt like I you know the the saying um a square peg in a round hole mm. well I I felt I'd found a room full of square pegs just like me mm. and um they understood me and they they had nothing but love and compassion for me at a time when I hated myself, which is mm. miraculous. Mm. And that non-judgmental view as well. Yes, they didn't mm. judge me for any of the mistakes I made at all. Mm. Whereas previously in my life, my, any love that I received was very conditional. Well, I'm, I'm so pleased that you did keep coming back because, I mean,
2: you've done such an amazing job in your recovery I mean you're just short of a year now I think isn't that's it? right yeah. yeah I'll be a year sober on the 30th of this month yeah and and to think you've done it all in in lockdown you know I mean through yeah. zoom
3: through through <laughs> just phone calls and whatsapp yeah you know yeah I think in one way lockdown has, has actually helped to save my life but it could have gone the other way Julie you know I, I yeah. could have really just bowed down and, and and accepted defeat to it and um, mm. with everybody drinking at home more and more now. But um, I've been fortunate that it didn't go that way, it swung the other way for me. Yeah, brilliant, yeah.
2: Well, we'll listen to another track now, jo. Um, It's In The Air Tonight, Phil Collins. I love this song. Do you want to tell us why you've chosen this?
3: Yeah, this depicts for me like... I think the lyrics are I can feel it coming in the air tonight mm-hmm. and I could feel a new life brewing you know and and I absolutely love the drum roll when it comes in brilliant
2: So that was in the air tonight by phil collins um so joe things definitely changing for you um what have you learned about yourself since you've got into recovery
3: oh god good question julie um what have i learned about myself i've learned that i'm incredibly selfish <laughs> um selfishness and self-centeredness and, and a lot of self-pity was going on but um I work on that every day and uh, I'm learning to think more of others and I find the more I give to others the happier I am it's just this like miracle cure and uh, and I feel better about myself and I like myself Um, I can say that now that's so weird that I like myself yeah I've, I've learned that I can be impatient I always want things now or yesterday even um so I have to work on these things on a, on a daily basis and um yeah make sure that uh I'm in my recovery actively on a daily basis
2: yeah well you certainly do that I mean you know I I see you at group all the time and you know you're you're so active within the radio station now I mean that that's become a A great part for you, hasn't it? It has.
3: I I thoroughly enjoy it. I have so much fun. And um, it's given me a sense of purpose, like something to get up for in the morning, Mm. something to be excited Mm. about. Um, Because I'm not working at the moment because of COVID. I did lose my job. But um, yeah, now I've got... It's like a new venture for me to Mm. go along with my new life. I've got a new flat. um, And I've got a balcony that overlooks the sea and all my children are back in my life Julie, and there was one or two of my children I didn't speak to for two or three years, but I've had a fantastic Mother's Day recently, and I had flowers and chocolates and cards from them all, and um, yeah I've got my friends back in my life, my children back in my life, I'm the happiest I've ever been. That's
2: that's brilliant, And, and you've put so much work into your recovery, you know that's you know, real credit to you, and and I think as well when you when you talk back to where you were in the middle of your life, kind of, you know, in your bedroom just drinking. Yeah. You know what a small world that that was at that time, and and now you have recovery and and this whole new world now is
3: opening up for you. I nearly broke up into a song then. A whole new world. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> time. Sorry. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> yeah it definitely is a whole new world it is and it is the life beyond my wildest dreams and and when I first heard that when I came into recovery that you'll get a life beyond your wildest dreams I thought what are they talking about but it actually did come true I yeah I'm ecstatic yeah that's brilliant
2: that's so so good you know I mean this is what what the messages of, of the recovery, isn't it? You know, that, that what it has to offer us as well, you know? Yeah, so much to offer. It saved my life and it gave me a life. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you, Joe, so much. It's, it's been quite an emotional interview, I have to say. (laughs) Yes. Um, But it was, it was such a brave story. You know, I love you more having heard your story and, um, you know, we are, we are firm friends now and, uh, you know, big, big thank you from everybody and all the listeners. I'm, I'm sure they've been just as emotional as I have throughout this. So uh, thank, thank you so much for, for giving your time and, and being so honest as well, you know. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. There's, there's probably just one question that I, I nearly forgot then, but I, I know you had like a really rough start um, in your life early on, but I just wondered what Joe now would say to
3: the younger joe um i would offer some reassurance and some compassion because i think that was missing from my life and i would say that um you're not alone because i felt very alone you're not alone and things will be okay and try and love yourself yeah that's brilliant thank you so all you people that are listening um
2: you're not alone you have us all with you um it's been a great, great interview. Thanks again, Joe. Um, thank you all for listening in. Um, I just want to ask you to please keep listening. There's a lot of work goes into these shows. Lots of people in the background. Thank you, Greg, for keeping it all together and keeping me and Joe on track. And thank you very much to the Living Room and Adveriad for uh, allowing us to to do this radio show. So. You've been listening to Recovery Now Radio brought to you from the Living Room and Adveriad. Thank you very much for joining us today. Please, please keep listening. Please look on Facebook. Please look on Instagram. Are we on that yet? I don't know. Um Twitter. What else are we on, Joe? Come on. YouTube. YouTube. Come keep in support. <laughs> Keep yeah. supporting it. We're we're doing it for you and recovery. So Thank, thank you all very much. Um, so, we've got one last track. So, go on, Joe. I'm going to let you introduce it and say why you've chosen this one.
3: This is a bit cheesy, but <laughs> it's my recovery song. It's Starship with Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now.
2: Brilliant. Thank, thanks so much, Joe. Take care. See you Bye. soon. Bye.
8: Looking in your eyes I see a paradise This world that I found is too good to be true Standing here beside you Want so much to give you this love in my heart